Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's session of Selling the Couch. I hope you're doing well and uh, having a fantastic day. So if you have been thinking about getting more active on LinkedIn and building an audience there, uh, whether it is to increase the number of referral sources for your private practice, or you are moving from clinical income to online income, you've decided that LinkedIn is the place that you want to write on and share information on. Uh, I hope that today's session will be helpful for you. Basically, today's session is all of the mistakes that I have made in the past six months of writing on LinkedIn and many of the lessons that I've learned along the way. So just before jumping into this, just a little bit of a background story. To be completely honest, I never thought that I would write on LinkedIn. LinkedIn to me was like, it seemed like a place to place your online resume. And since STC is pretty small and I've got the team kind of where we want it, it didn't really make sense for me. And so I just never actually gave it much thought. And then anytime that I had ever logged in on LinkedIn, all I saw were my friends like posting like job updates or, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know how like beneficial or helpful this is going to be. So I just never thought to do it. But I had been writing on Twitter last year and I grew uh, my Twitter audience from about um, 1800 followers to just under 5000. And then, you know, Elon Musk took over Twitter. And I noticed like the reach of Twitter was not as great. And to be honest, like, you know, I'm really trying to work and get in front of therapists. And I noticed there weren't a ton of therapists on Twitter. And so I was thinking a lot about like, what's another platform that I could write on? And LinkedIn seemed a logical kind of thing, Uh, particularly for me. uh, LinkedIn, I wanted to think about it because I would love to write a book one day. And I wanted to get that practice in, in order to write that book. I wanted to become a better storyteller. I wanted to be able to capture ideas that that could potentially become part of the book, all of those things. And I just thought, you know, what a great platform like LinkedIn just to kind of build in public. So I made my first post on November 11th of 2022. Prior to that, I had made a handful of posts, maybe like one every six or seven months. And those posts had actually gotten pretty good engagement. But honestly, I just never thought about LinkedIn. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote this post on November 11th. I had just gotten back from serving mashed potatoes at Chloe's preschool uh, for Thanksgiving. And, you know, they had a Thanksgiving meal. And I wrote about serving mashed potatoes at school and what I learned, you know, and building 
And for me, like what an online business has meant has not been about like these crazy vacations or anything like that, but it's been being able to design my life around my family and around self-care and all of those kind of things. And I, I forgot the exact stats on it, but that post ended up uh, with over a thousand views. And I was like, what in the world? Because I only had 789 followers on LinkedIn at the time. And so there were actually more people who were seeing that post than followers that I had. And so I just thought that was really interesting. And I, since that November post, I thought to myself like, hey, I think I'm going to start posting more regularly on LinkedIn. And what I've basically been doing is posting three times a week, you know, for the most part uh, in the past six months. And I've learned a lot. And in that time, my followers have grown from three, uh, 789 to now uh, 1,864 followers. The views of my posts have gone from, you know, that thousand views to now 246,812 views as I record this. I've made 97 posts and those 97 posts have gotten 2,880 likes and 1,915 comments, which has just been crazy growth. And I am very much a LinkedIn newbie, but I, I, I wanted to create this episode just to kind of share uh, what I've been doing and what has been really helpful for me. So the way that I broke this down is I wanted to one, share what seems to be working for me and then share also some of the challenges that I'm experiencing when it comes to LinkedIn. So the very first sort of tip that I wanted to share with you is to turn on creator mode. So LinkedIn, when you naturally create an account, you do not have uh, creator mode on. And basically, the, the, there's a bunch of differences between not having and, and having creator mode on. But one big difference is when you have creator mode on, it allows you to have followers versus LinkedIn connections. I forgot what the exact number is, but I think it's something like 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. So you're allowed to have 30,000 people connect with you as your first degree connection. But beyond that, you can't really grow. So, but whereas if you turn on creator mode, you can actually have as many followers as, as possible. So I don't think there's like an upper cap to it. So it's really beneficial. And it also, the second sort of benefit of creator mode is it gives you access to a bunch of different things. But the most important thing for me and one that I would consider is it actually allows you to plug a website on your main profile. And so, whereas with the regular LinkedIn, you can't do that. And, you know, LinkedIn doesn't like all of these social media platforms, LinkedIn's no exception. They don't particularly like when you link to stuff within posts. And so, but if you have it on your profile, it doesn't seem to negatively affect it. So that's one thing I would definitely do is turn on creator mode. The second thing that's been working for me is carousel posts, but not just carousel posts, but narrowly focused carousel posts. Now, if this is your first time like learning about LinkedIn and you're like, Mel, what the heck is a carousel post? That sounds like, I don't know. I, I don't even know what that is. The best way to explain it is think of it like a PowerPoint slide and you take the PDF of those slides and you put that onto LinkedIn. So basically, when somebody sees that post, they can kind of scroll through like on Instagram where they can see like posts, like slide after slide. And the thing with all of these social media platforms, when I think about, you know, going into any social media platform, I think about what is the most high leverage use of that platform. 
i.e., what does how did um what can I do to grow my audience as fast as possible? But then what can I also do to build authority and trust as as fast as possible? Now, usually when you're considering that question on any of these platforms, that format usually takes more effort, right? In general. So for example, with podcasting, you could do like a three to five minute podcast episode. But the most high leverage ones are actually longer form uh, podcast episodes, right? So that kind of depends on your audience. But if you notice with STC, we aim for around anywhere from 25 to 40 ish minutes uh, per episode. And so I took that same mentality to LinkedIn and I discovered that these carousel posts are the most high leverage. So you can create carousel posts on LinkedIn, you can create just a regular post, which would be you know, like almost think of it like Facebook, where you type an update and then you post it. Uh, you can also do things like videos or have graphics on posts as well. Now, just studying all of this and looking, and you probably didn't realize this, but I'm like a you know analytics nerd, so I'm using a program called Shield. So uh, it's sellingthecouch.com forward slash Shield. It's basically a LinkedIn analytics tool, and it allows you to get a really good um, perspective on you know, not just how many followers you're having or how fast you're growing, but which of your posts are doing the most well. And then also interesting analytics like, you know, what words are you mentioning the most that seem to be connecting the most with people or what days are you posting and what type of engagement are you getting on those kind of days? So, and what I found, right, is that when I started doing LinkedIn posts, I mean, uh, on carousel posts, I was initially doing them kind of broad, right? Like, I don't know, like, I forgot what some of my earlier ones, like, I think I had one on like LinkedIn, you know, some of the stuff I'm learning on LinkedIn. But what I actually found is like going really narrow focus seems to do the best. So right now, as I record this, I'm focusing just on two things, right? I'm focusing on lessons I've learned as an uh, online course creator, and the lessons I've learned as a podcaster. And those are, you know, things that I have now at this point done for eight years, I'm very much, you know, in the weeds with both of those things. And I've had really good success with being an online course creator and also a podcaster. And so that's the stuff that I'm sharing these, uh, these carousel posts on. Now, the carousel posts also take a long time. And I wrote, I did everything for these carousel posts for the first several months. This is something I learned with podcasting which is, you know, when you first start out something, you actually want to try to do as much of everything as possible so that you know what the systems and processes look like. And then you want to slowly start to delegate this out. So as I record this, I right now I'm in a season where I'm starting to delegate out the carousel post writing. And so practically what this means is I am now like the idea person and I'm the final check person. And so idea person, what this means is if I have a carousel post idea, what I will typically do is I have Slack on my phone, but I have nobody else in my Slack channel. It's actually a private channel and I have different um, sub channels in my Slack. And so one of them is like post ideas. Another one is carousel posts ideas. And so when I'm on my hike or doing something like that, uh, or I'm at the sauna, I do in my infrared sauna, I'm usually thinking about, you know, I usually get ideas, right? Most of us get ideas when uh, we're doing kind of like relaxing activities. And so I will then write it down in my Slack channel, right? And then what I usually do is I have a time that I've set aside right now. Uh, it's Tuesday mornings. 
uh, right after I do podcast interviews. Uh, I've got about an hour and a half time slot where I set aside where I will go in and record a loom explaining and articulating that carousel post more. So, you know, for example, I have got a future carousel post on, you know, some of the mistakes that I've made as a course creator, right? So I will go in, create like a loom and I'll, you know, share like my top three mistakes as a course creator. And if you've never heard of Loom, Loom is phenomenal. I would say it's probably in the top five of the tools that I we use here at STC, but it basically allows you to create a recording of your screen, or it allows you to re- uh, record yourself talking, or it allows you to record you and your computer screen. That's really practical. And the reason I'm doing this is because I am creating basically uh, a Loom. So once you finish that recording, you can actually just grab a URL. So you don't have to download it or anything like that. And then you can just paste, copy and paste the URL to whoever needs it. So once my recording is done, I pass it along to one of two uh, people. So right now uh, I'm training my virtual assistant, uh, Nicole, to write some of these carousel posts. And then we are also using our team over at Floxy, which is a, a new thing that we have incorporated this year, F-L-O-C-K-S-K-Y. And uh, if you want to uh, support the blog, you can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Floxy. And it's basically a video editing, copywriting, graphic design team on demand. So what we typically do is once I create that loom, I will either send it to my VA or I will send it to Floxy. Floxy has copywriters. Uh, We've got some templates that we use that is in the style of my writing. And we will have our copywriter write the content for the carousel post. Once that uh, copy is done, they'll send me over a word or a PDF. And then I can take that and then just have my our graphic designer on Floxy create the uh, create the graphics for the carousel post. Now, I think you may know this, but I, I took a lot of art classes when I was growing up. And so I'm like visual design is something that's like really important to me. So we custom made some carousel post templates in Canva. And initially, again, I made this, but you can totally have like a, you know, you can use Fiverr or have somebody create these carousel post templates. If you actually look on, look on Canva, um, you need their pro plan. But if you look on Canva um, and just search for LinkedIn carousel templates, there's actually some pre-made templates there that you can use as well. But basically, we then send it to the design team. They send it back as a PDF. And then uh, at that point, we're ready to upload it. I, we're, to be completely honest, we're, we're figuring this part out right now because we're in this stage of me delegating this away. And so I, uh, I have to really think about like, what is my most high leverage stuff? And what I'm realizing is I have to be, again, the idea person, right? So i.e. creating the, thinking what the idea is, creating the loom. And then I have to be the final check person just to make sure it's in the voice that I want and the information is consistent with and accurate for what I wanted to communicate. So again, the first two things are creator mode on. Second is narrow focus carousel post. And I will do a future episode on carousel post because there's a, that's a whole episode and requires a lot of intentional strategy. And the reason I think carousel posts are powerful, I'm just looking at my analytics. So out of our top five posts ever, four of the five have been, in terms of views, have been carousel posts. So I did one on Ali Abdullah and Sahil Bloom, which accounted for 79,869 views. 
Then I've had a, a couple of ones about um, my online course creator journey, and those have been around 11,000 and then right around 9,811 views. Hey there. I hope that you're enjoying today's podcast session. So I've you know jumped back into private practice and I decided to go the private pay route. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how do I tap into outer network benefits for clients that might want to use it? Now, the common sort of perspective or tip that a lot of folks say is just to provide a super bill for clients. But the reality is, I feel like most clients aren't going to go take a super bill and then call the insurance company and then deal with that whole mess of trying to communicate with the insurance companies and waiting on reimbursement and all of that kind of stuff, right? And then at some point, especially if they're keenly aware of budget and stuff like that, they're like, oh my gosh. I may not be able to afford working with this therapist and all of those kind of things, right? This is where Thryzer comes in. And the really cool thing with Thryzer is that they will actually float the clients for the sessions. So basically, when you sign up for Thryzer, you can automatically submit out-of-network claims for your clients. It's simply done through an app. It literally takes seconds. And Thryzer takes care of all of the insurance stress. So we don't have to deal with it as clinicians. Our clients don't have to deal with it. And clients just pay what they owe for for actual sessions, i.e. like the difference between your rate and the reimbursement rate in order to skip the long insurance wait. All they have to do is pay the standard 3% credit card fee. There is no monthly contracts or fees or anything like that. If you would like to try out Thryzer, you can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, enter the promo code STC so that your first $2,500 in fees are waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and Thryzer is spelled T-H-R-I-Z-E-R, and enter the promo code STC. And so, you know, so what I'm now thinking about, and as I record this, we're actually taking a break from carousel posts because you know, James Clear has this wonderful quote about that you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. And in writing these carousel posts over the past couple of months, what I realized is trying to manage both the podcast, our online course mastermind, healthcasters, and LinkedIn, it was just getting to be too much. And I'm also thinking a little further ahead because I would love to create more videos uh, on YouTube. And uh, I can't do all of those things. So I really have to think about, you know, how can I be well supported so that I'm working in my zone of genius? Okay. So the third thing is engaging with targeted accounts. So this creates uh, an informal tribe. And for me, you know, this is actually something that a mistake that I made in the early days of STC, which is I felt like I had to be on all these social media platforms. But the challenge of being on all these social media platforms is you could use a scheduling software to shoot the content out into all these platforms. But at the end of the day, you still have to engage with the people that are engaging on with that content. And this was a mistake that I made, which is I tried, I, you know, thought I had to be everywhere. And then I quickly found out I could not be everywhere and I could not engage. And I honestly burnt out. And uh, I see a lot of this actually with our colleagues where they will create these beautiful posts and yet people will respond and then they never respond back, right? So it's this sort of drive-by marketing. 
And I wanted to avoid that. So that was the main reason. So we did a couple of practical things. So one is I created a, a document in Notion of accounts that I wanted to engage with. I've kind of broken them down into, uh, so I have one category, what I call like, you know, high, high signal accounts, which are basically accounts that are growing very fast, that have 50,000 plus followers that would be posting on similar content related to what I'm posting on. So for me, I'm posting on online courses and podcasting. So I'm really looking at accounts that are posting on online business, entrepreneurship, that kind of topics. And I wish I could tell you, I found a great way to find these accounts. Uh, I know I've used the LinkedIn search feature and that, and then, uh, you know, type in the type of content that I want and then sort it by people. And I've had pretty good luck with that, but I'm still learning. And so I don't have a great account, a great system for it. But as I learn stuff, I'll definitely share along the way. But I started basically creating a, you know, high signal account and then friends account. And so basically a link to their account. And I put it again in a Notion document. That way I don't have to open up every person's account on LinkedIn. I can just click a link or on a piece of paper on, on Notion and it automatically goes to that account. And then I can just see what they just posted. And then I can then engage with that account. It makes it so much easier and and uh, just easier. Uh, and then the third one I have is folks that are part of our online course mastermind. Uh, we have a little Voxer chat in our group, but I also make sure that I try to engage with their accounts uh, every week because when I'm engaging with those accounts, right? Uh, people that are following me are seeing that I'm engaging with those accounts, which indirectly helps those accounts to grow as well. So I love that sort of like, you know, win together mindset. And so when I have, you know, started to engage with these accounts, uh, I've got, I've built a nice little tribe of around 20 accounts that I'm, uh, that I'm engaging with throughout the week. And I space those out. So I'm not like engaging with all 20 every single day because that's just, again, asking for burnout. But I engage with those accounts. And what I have found is they're engaging with my content too. And it's been really interesting. Like, you know, I, I was reading somewhere like around a one to 2% engagement rate is really good. And recently we have been averaging uh, anywhere from five to 8% engagement rate, which is like really which are great numbers, you know? And I think a big reason of that is because uh, one, it's like, I still have a, it's, you know, small is all relative, right? But I have a smaller account still, but I built this core group of people that I'm engaging with their account. We're all helping each other kind of grow. Um, the final sort of point that I wanted to share is, you know, in the, when you go into any of these things, YouTube, LinkedIn, podcasting, all of these things, right? A lot of experts tell you like post as much as you can because, and ideally like even daily, like with LinkedIn, especially they're like, you know, post anywhere from five to seven times a week. And I struggled with that. Like I could not do that because I, one thing I learned with podcasting and, and I really do consider, I'm so grateful to have done a podcast for eight years because my mentality is how do I build a system and how do I be on this platform for the long term, you know, unless something really changes, but I'm, I'm planning on, you know, I have this mindset of like decades, not days, right. When it comes to how, where I want to be on platforms, because I know that the longer that I can be on a platform, naturally I'm going to grow and the effects and the effects of posting on that platform, all of that stuff's going to compound over time. So 
I'm very much playing the long game. I'm not about, you know, growing from zero to 50,000 followers in six months or any of that kind of stuff. But what I am really in the game of is how do I build this in a way that's sustainable, that doesn't take a toll on my mental health, um, but that's also strategic. I don't want to be like the, you know, the tortoise and the hare. I don't want to be the hare that like sprints out and burns out because I've seen this enough in podcasting. Uh, I almost fell into that trap as well because I, you know, with STC, I posted, I made mean, I released a lot of episodes that first year and I almost burnt out. Like I almost quit this podcast in year one. And, and then year two, I realized like I have to post more on the schedule that aligns for me. And so I shifted and I'm playing that, taking that same mentality to LinkedIn. So practically what this means is we're not doing carousel posts every month. Um, I'm only doing them about seven of the 12 months of the year. The main reason is because carousel posts take the most time. Uh, also because I want to always like be batching and like get a, get ahead with carousel posts. And I think it's a lot easier to get ahead when you have like a month or two off um, every few months. And uh, that way you're not burning out. And then right now what I'm doing is three times a week. If you're just starting on LinkedIn, I would recommend starting once a week. Um, I'm doing three times and we just added a fourth. So the fourth one plugs our weekly newsletter. Uh, but the three posts that I'm making is I'm doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. So typically uh, one post, the way that I think about posts is, you know, I'm again, writing generally on online courses and podcasting. The reason I'm writing those is because that's where we have products, right? We have our online course mastermind. We have our healthcasters podcasting course. It's something that I would encourage you to think about, like think about the destination. What is the paid product that you're guiding people to on LinkedIn and then working backwards from that to create content. And so each week when I'm making these three posts, one of the posts, uh, I call it connect to the heart. And so this is kind of a vulnerability post. Um, something that I'm struggling with is uh, or thinking through as a course creator or a podcaster. And then I have a second post, which is, you know, what I call like a head post, right? Connect to the head or connect to the brain. And this is usually a knowledge-based post where I'm sharing a tip or a strategy or something that is helping me to establish authority and trust with my audience. And then the third post tends to be those carousel posts. And those have both like head and heart kind of knowledge in them. And Using that combo of those three, along with, you know, plugging our newsletter on Sunday morning, uh, a post that does that um, seems to be working really well. Now, uh, this episode's gotten a bit long, but I wanted to at least just share some of the challenges or the things that I'm thinking through. So the one, the first challenge is, and this is just being open and honest, but I feel this pressure to like post very much more frequently than I am right now. You know, I've got friends that, you know, started right around the same time as me and they've got bigger, they've grown to bigger followings and I'm kind of like slow and steady, you know, going and I'm struggling with this challenge of like wanting to post more, knowing that I have content that I could post more, yet realizing that I've eight years of doing podcasting, that being slow and intentional and creating space for rest is a way wiser strategy on on social media. And then the, also the other benefit of having these moments of rest is you can be really thoughtful and strategic about the content that you're creating versus getting on that content creation treadmill. The second challenge that I am running into is 
uh, as I shared earlier in this episode, I took a lot of art classes growing up and there was a moment and I, I, this is one of my one regret, like regrets in life. I wish I had actually minored or even done a major in art because I just think it's that creative process is so valuable for me now uh, with everything I do with STC. But my art background is sometimes getting in my way because I want my carousel posts to look really perfect and look proportional. And, you know, we're using like AI generated images and all of these kind of things. And uh, again, that's probably another whole podcast episode, but they, you know, we were getting to a point where they, I'm like really proud of them and they look beautiful. And yet there's this part of me that always wants to make that last like 5% tweak. And at some point that's going to not yield the, the, uh, the proportion of the results that I want. So that's something I'm just navigating. And then the third thing is I do feel like I am a little bit on the content creation treadmill, like with the three posts. I know when I was scripting this episode, this was, I was scripting this a couple of weeks ago. I felt that more. I feel it less now. I, and I think particularly it's because I decided to take this uh, month long break from writing carousel posts so that we can get our systems down. But I remember like why one of my biggest things of when I know I'm on the content creation treadmill is when I start to feel like I'm doing everything for that social media post, right? Uh, or that social media platform. Right. When I, with podcasting, I felt it because I was doing the editing and the uploading and all of, and creating the show artwork and recording the actual episodes and scripting and all of that stuff. Whereas I started to find a lot more joy with podcasting when I was, uh, I just focused on doing interviews and doing solo episodes and then let an editor take care of the artwork and let my VA take care of posting the episodes when they're live and, and letting the guests know they're live and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to take that same mentality to LinkedIn, but it's honestly something I'm struggling with. And then the last thing is the question that uh, you know I'm constantly asking is, do I want the successful version of this? Because I realize, you know, to grow this again, this is all relative, right? But it is pretty amazing in six months that we've hit or about to hit 250,000 views of our content, and. Yet I actively think about, do I want the successful version of this? Because the successful version of this means that there's going to be more trolls, right? Inevitably, that's going to happen. Uh, that has already happened one time. And it's just, I don't know the answer, um, but it's something that I just wanted to be open and honest with. But I also know from podcasting that a lot, a lot of times the fears that I have, they don't actually come to fruition. That, you know, for example, like, I thought, you know, if the SDC podcast got really big, right, like went over, I don't know, 100,000 episodes, right, like somehow would change me as a person. And we're now at 1.6 million. And I feel like, honestly, I'm just grateful and humbled that you would take the time to listen. And I don't think it's fundamentally changed me. If anything, it's made me have more gratitude in which I'm, you know, all for that. So all that to say, uh, I just wanted to kind of go through these points real quick. So first, turn on creator mode. Second, consider doing narrowly focused carousel posts related to paid offerings that you have. Three is engage with targeted accounts and so that you can create this informal tribe that's supporting and growing together. The fourth one is post on a schedule that fits your energy. Uh, and I can't emphasize that one enough because I know so many of us, right? Because between clinical work and managing our lives, so many of us are you know, either feeling burnt out or any of these things. And my whole thing is, 
you know, in considering a social media platform, you want to be strategic, but you want to do it in a way that you don't burn out. And so, yeah, I, so I hope today's podcast has been set, uh, helpful for you. I would love to connect with you on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me, uh, just search my name, M-E-L-V-I-N, and then Varghese, V-A-R-G-H-E-S-E, and you should be able to uh, find me. And uh, let's definitely connect there and uh, love to learn more about you and the awesome work that you're doing in the world. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.